Hi, I'm Jared Kleinert, founder and CEO of Offsite.com. Today's leadership quote comes from Steve Prefontaine, which is, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become confident, game-changing leader assistants. Are you tasked with ordering food for your office? Let me tell you about Easy Cater. With over 100,000 restaurants to choose from nationwide and 24-7 customer support, Easy Cater helps assistants like you and me succeed at work and makes our lives easier. Visit easycater.com slash leader assistant to find out more. Hey, friends, welcome to the Leader Assistant Podcast. It's your host, Jeremy Burrows, and it's episode 246. Today, I'm speaking with Jared Kleiner. Jared is the founder and CEO of Offsite. Uh, Offsite is a service and site that saves you time, money, and stress, and we'll hear more about that in just a second. But Jared, first of all, what part of the world are you joining us today from? Upper West Side, Manhattan. Manhattan. Nice. And are you from that area? Uh, I'm from the sixth borough, which is South Florida. Uh, okay. so if you're Jewish, you would know Boca Raton, Florida is where I'm from. If you're not Jewish, it's an hour north of Miami, um, <laughs> South Florida and born and raised. My whole family's New Yorkers though. So as soon as I turned 18, I moved up here. Nice. And what's, uh, do you have, do you have kids, pets, hobbies? I have hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, no kids, uh, single by uh, tax status. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, hobbies. Uh, one of the cool things about living on the Upper West Side uh, is I'm a five minute walk away from a jujitsu gym. Uh, and so I've, I'm about a year into doing jujitsu. That's become a really cool hobby. Um, and then I also run ultra marathons once or twice a year. Um, but I run the shortest ultra marathons possible. So I'm only a little crazy, not okay. a lot. Crazy. Like I do 50K or 31 miles, but there's people that are doing 50 miles or doing 100K, 100 miles. Uh, I, I stop at 50K for now uh, and just completed a race in Nashville uh, like two weekends ago. So wow, pretty excited about that. Like 10 days ago, actually, at the time of recording. Wow. One thing, one thing is, it's one thing to run a marathon. It's another thing to run an ultra marathon, but I like how you, you just had to give that. For five miles, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Cool. Well, tell us a little bit about your career journey. Like you, you said, when you're 18, you moved to New York. What uh, what was maybe your first real job, and and what have you been up to um, over the last several years? And how did you? And then we'll we'll get into how you started or why you started offsite. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your early career. Yeah, first job, uh, family catering business from like 11 to 16 years old. First real job. Uh, I cold emailed someone I read about in Forbes who is called uh, the most connected man you don't know in Silicon Valley. It's about this guy, David Hassel. Um, he has a company called 155, um, which is now one of the leaders in employee engagement and performance management software. I think Lattice won the category so far. Um, 15.5 is sort of second. And then you have Culture Amp and a few other players like that. Hmm. Um but I emailed David when I read this article about him. The company was still in stealth at the time but basically just liked the profile on him and how much of a connector he was. Like he was hosting these dinner parties and 
Tim Ferriss would show up and all these um, athletes would show up, founders, uh, all just liked his hobbies. There's like kite surfing and um, just seemed like a really down earth guy uh, with a lot of previous success. And so just reached out to him, offered to work unpaid in exchange for his mentorship. Uh, ended up spending two years at 15.5. Uh, I was employee seven by the time I got on payroll. Uh, and yeah, was sort of in the right place at the right time. Uh, they were also one of the pioneering remote first companies uh, back in the day, like you know, mm. over a decade ago. And so before, I got to attend. Before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, maybe like, you know, 5% of companies were remote or hybrid. Um, so I got to attend offsites with them uh, as an employee uh, and got to see sort of the beginning days of what's now, you know, not quite a billion dollar company, but very close. Um, they have award-winning culture uh, and, you know, really built a, a type of company that I would want to build in terms of not only size, but the way they they run their operations, how much of a positive ripple effect that they have on their users. Uh, and so, you know, you would think the natural progression would be to start my own company, but uh, I did, just not in tech. I took a seven-year speaker, author, consultant turn in my career, um, wrote some books similar to yourself. Uh, that led to speaking. I was fortunate to do like uh, both a TED and a couple TEDx events. Um, and then that led to a lot of corporate keynotes, so speaking at offsites. That led to facilitating executive team retreats. Uh, that led to running my own summits for entrepreneurs. And so like a decade later, you know, going into the pandemic, I was running summits uh, for like 20 to 40 people at a time. Uh, and then during the pandemic, that all went virtual. Uh, I was sort of betting after a decade of random um, experiences related to offsites and seeing uh, the trends of like single digit percent of companies being remote or hybrid going to maybe 15, 20 percent of companies being remote or hybrid pre-pandemic. I was betting that would go 10 years into the future with the pandemic. We'd all be remote or hybrid. We'd all then plan offsites and uh, planning offsites sucks, uh, as you know, and <laughs> for many of your users uh, are familiar with because it's always the executive assistants, the people leaders, chiefs of staff that get stuck with planning offsites. And it's you know more important than ever to get it right. But we haven't quite figured out uh, if that should be a role internally just to plan offsites at a certain size company, who exactly should plan that, it's not quite like a office event, like an office manager might have done in the past. Uh, like no one knows what's going on, and so uh, we we tried to solve some of those problems. Nice. So when you started it, did you? Well, actually, let me take a step back. So, how many books did you write during that journey of of author, speaker, and all that? I wrote two books uh, a while back. I think 2015, 2017, or twenty thirteen, twenty fifteen, something like that. Um, both profiling top performing millennials from all different walks of life. Uh, and so interviewed like the founders of WordPress and Duolingo interviewed social media influencers like Jake Paul, uh, and interviewed, uh, nonprofit founders, scientists, actors, uh, and yeah, both, both books, uh, one was called 2 billion under 20. The other was called 3 billion under 30. They, they were both profiling like young people doing cool stuff in the world, uh, I think they were amazing books. Uh, and when one was even traditionally published uh, with Macmillan uh, and, and St. Martin's, which is a subsidiary, but uh, I think the titles were terrible. <laughs> and, you know, could, like could have sold a lot more copies if I titled them better, uh, uh-huh. which I guess is a lesson I've learned with Offsite in a way. Like, let's just get a better name going. Right, and, uh, right. I did write a third book recently. It was sort of a pandemic project that then I put on the side 
as Offset was growing. And then I was just like, I need to finish this. So that book's called Networking. Uh, and it's on professional networking and relationship building. So I did get the title better on that one. Um, so I have three books in my name. Uh, maybe I'll have a hobby in the future of writing more, but uh, books are hard, as as you know. Like it takes a small part of your soul, <laughs> like a like a Horcrux from Harry Potter. They 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 are definitely hard. So that's awesome. So tell us about networking. Then we'll we'll use that as a good segue. You know your book on networking. The subtitle I'm looking it up right now. How how to meet influential people, deepen relationships, and become a super connector. Um, first, before we get into practical tips on networking why did you want to write a book on networking yeah again it was, it was sort of not planned it was uh basically a decade of personal experiences related to uh going from having no professional network to cold emailing people like david from 155 to turning that one connect or one relationship with a super connector into many relationships with super connectors uh, both joining communities and building my own communities. Uh, and then I got asked to speak on the subject. I write about different networking tactics, uh, tried courses and random stuff like that. And so then I was like, oh, it would be easy to put this all together in a book. Uh, <laughs> I knew it was not easy. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I could send this to my assistant, have it all transcribed, and uh, you know, then it'd be perfect. Uh, but we didn't have ChatGPT at the time, you know, to right. uh, take all the transcriptions and turn it into usable writing. So actually, I had to go back and format it in a in a way that would make sense in a book, and then add some examples. And uh, yeah, that became much more of a project, but. Yeah, I guess it was like, how do I get this all in one place and share it? And uh, if it helps some folks with networking and relationship building, that's great. Nice. So what's your what's your number one tip then? I know we'll uh, link to the book in the show notes, but what's your one, number one tip for networking? Are you ready to elevate your career in 2024? I'm Maggie Olson, founder of Nova Chief of Staff Certification the first-of-its-kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus, and enroll today. I had to, you know, take one tip. I mean, you know, we have a, we have like a, you know, a little process in there, but uh, I guess it's, it's uh, sort of doing 80, 20 on the time you spend with your network and really focus on building relationships with super connectors. Uh, like one of those type of connections can uh, allow you to access more people in a community or in a geographic region. Um, you're a great example. Like we, we got introduced because I was looking to, uh, talk to more executive assistants and, and be in front of more people uh, who are leader leaders and assistants and, and whatnot. Uh, and so someone put us in touch and like you are a super connector that can connect with hundreds of those type of people. And so uh, you want to be a good person and provide value to everyone up front. Um, and you can't forget to be a good person when you focus on talking to super connectors as much as possible. But like if you had an ideal network, it would be full of super connectors uh, rather than just narrowly connected individuals or isolated individuals. 
Love it. I love that phrase, super connector. Um, and yeah, I, you know, part of my job is to help grow my CEO's network, you know, and to help him reach out to people on LinkedIn that, um, to offer help or to just build, build the network. And so it's, it's interesting. He's one of those super connector type people as well. And he's connected to a lot of super connected people. So I think, yeah, I think that's a unique thing that a founder or CEO can provide to a company, uh, merely by title alone, if not by their charisma or passion for whatever they're doing. Um, but I, I, so uh, this guy Tim Francis, uh, who runs like an outsourced VA company, um, sort of gave me this framework. Um, but he said, you know, your job as a CEO is high level skill, uh, high level access, and high level decision making. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So high level access, like you know, I can open doors for my company. I'm like the best sales development rep for offsite because I can email peers, I can email VCs, like I can I can do a lot of stuff like that. Um, well, fundraising, like, you know, no VC is going to talk to anyone but the CEO at a company. Uh, and same with like high level strategy and decision making, like the buck stops with me for better or for worse. I need to be the ones to make those decisions, uh, even if I try and empower my team as much as possible. Uh, yeah. And high level skill, like hopefully I bring something to the table. <laughs> uh, although I try and work myself out of jobs. Uh, you know, marketing is the thing that I'm, I'm still doing, like the founder led marketing mm-hmm. right now. We're, we're like, 11 people full-time and a few contractors. Uh, but that's sort of the one thing that I'm still owning and don't have any support on. But you know, yeah. sales, we got other people doing engineering. We got going there. We have offsite planners now who are fantastic. Um, I'm just focusing on marketing. Nice. Great. Well, what is your experience then um, working with assistants? So whether it's you know, as you started offsite and you realize, oh, assistants are often the people that get tasked with planning offsites, or if it was a, your prior role uh, at 15.5 or or elsewhere, or maybe even when you were doing the whole writing and speaking circuit, having your own assistant, virtual assistant or, or full-time or whatever, what, what's been your experience working with assistants and how have you, maybe there's an example or a story of how assistants have changed the changed the game for for you and your in your businesses well likely you're an assistant if you're listening to this uh or you're you have been an ea or a va or you're some sort of people leader like an ea that became a chief of staff uh so i just want to apologize on on behalf of all founders and ceos everywhere especially in the tech world um because again like back to what i said earlier um this idea of planning offsites and team retreats is relatively new. Uh, there are some companies like Automatic, Buffer, Zapier, GitLab that have been doing it for a decade plus, even a company like 15.5. Um, and some of the high-level strategy for those may come from a chief people officer, may come from the CEO, uh, different team leaders. But it has been left to assistants to figure out all the logistics. And you're already dealing with 17 other jobs <laughs> while balancing this 18th job that is now really, really important. Uh, and there is no playbook to do it. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's just a tough position to be in. Uh, but, and then sort of make matters worse. Uh, I would say about 50% of the time, 
you have uh, either a CEO or a principal, you know, C-suite exec who is late to the game in giving you the requirements to plan an offsite. Uh, like they don't tell you the budget very clearly. They don't tell you the locations they're interested in, um, the business objectives for planning an offsite. Those are all wonky. And then even if you get those in time, like you might have them be changed you know, three weeks out. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just a really difficult position. So uh, I don't have much more to offer other than empathy and like hopefully a solution uh, with, with offsite. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've, uh, as far as working with assistants, I don't currently have uh, an assistant. I am in the market for a virtual assistant uh, and, and realize that's going to be a huge uh use of, of leverage on my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, very excited to add that back in. And I've had uh, EAs, I've had VAs, I've had a chief of staff in the past um, and have all been positive experiences. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely uh, an ever evolving role that kind of is a catch-all, uh, super stressful. And offsites are like one of those things that have been added in when probably should be with a you know head of people or a chief people officer or uh should really be thought of as strategically as your um commercial real estate was previously or as your hiring strategy is uh like mm-hmm. all sites are the best way to increase employee engagement retention alignment for remote first or hybrid teams but the actual planning of all sites is not um teed up as strategically as what it should be in my opinion mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously very biased, but <laughs> right, right. Well, what was your? So you mentioned you're in the process or soon to be adding a virtual assistant to your team. What's the? What was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, on getting back to? Hey, you know, I do need a virtual assistant to leverage my time. Yeah, I mean, I'd say eighty percent of what I'm hiring for now is specific to. Uh, taking that like high level skill of figuring out new marketing channels, for example, and, and just make it super simplistic and scaling some of those efforts. So uh, high level strategy is we want to appear on certain types of podcasts. We have unique content to provide. Uh, and I have some high level access um, <laughs> to some people, but uh I could hire someone to help me research other opportunities mm-hmm. uh, and then I can give them a, an email template to email out on my behalf. Like the high level skills, writing the email, being a person um, who others would be interested in interviewing potentially, whether by title or by company or whatever. Um, and then actually getting on the, on the camera and doing the interview. Uh, right. So, you know, but a, a VA could, you know, scale that or like I'm testing out some new SEO stuff and I'm, tinkering with uh content types and like how to set up templates and like even how to prompt chat gpt to like help me fill in the blanks um but once i figure out a couple of those templates i could give it to a va to make a hundred of those uh, mm-hmm. and so it's a few of those sort of things it's probably like 80 percent of what uh, i'm hiring for today but uh I'm, I'm super excited to also get 20 percent of like the personal stuff in there which then helps the business if i'm able to take tasks that i've been letting uh, slip through the cracks or even some admin stuff uh, so I'm sure it'll very quickly, you know, uh, <laughs> go into a lot of different directions. But right, yeah. uh, it was uh, from a very specific uh, set of needs uh, to start, you could say. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, before we jump into the off... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's the right hiring strategy or not. You you would know better. Uh, am yeah. I thinking about it the right way or... No, I mean, you have... It sounds like you have a very uh, specific 
idea of, hey, this is what I really want to offload and scale. And it's a great place to start. And I think that's a, if you didn't have that, then yeah, it'd be a little bit of a eh, not very clear expectations and whatever. But if you're like, hey, I want to reach out to these types of people, I want to send this type of messaging, I want to use these mediums, and you know, I want to do a hundred a week or a hundred a month or whatever the 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 uh, KPI is, like that's that's a great time to hire an assistant. So I think you're on the right track. All right. I might email you. <laughs> there you go. Cool. There you go. Um, awesome. Well, let's do this. Before we get into offsite planning, I want to hear your remote work tips. Uh, is your team currently, I'm assuming, is remote? Right. Okay. And then you worked at uh, 15.5, which is remote first. So, like, what's your number one work from home, but stay productive and engaged with your team uh, tip? Yeah, I mean, I've never worked in an office, so uh, you know, that's kind of a weird thing, um, or may- maybe increasingly common, but I'm, I'm 28. And so, uh, yeah, just my career has never dictated me being in an office. Um, I think what I have learned over time is to figure out what works best for me. And I think everyone is going to have their own unique set of habits, uh, rituals around remote or hybrid work. So probably connect with yourself first and figure out what that's going to be. Uh, I used to need to go somewhere and uh, for many years went to a WeWork every single day. Uh, rest in peace, WeWork, <laughs> soon to be rest in peace. But right, right. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was like, I, I needed to go somewhere and get work done. Uh, and then uh, that probably persisted until the pandemic. Not that I couldn't work from home um, or at a coffee shop or whatnot, but I I've, was probably most productive somewhere else other than where I lived. And then I got used to working at home during the pandemic and then came to really like it because I had access to a kitchen and could like go to the gym downstairs and like all the commute times and change times were were reduced. Like even getting uh cough or uh, water before we started, it's like 30 seconds. I just walked over to my kitchen, got water, got back. Um, or like going to the gym this morning uh, to do jujitsu, five minutes there, did a class, came back. 30 minutes later, I was ready to work. And so I love that uh, I can set up my life to get a lot done in a short amount of time. Um, and I have like a standing desk where I do meetings. I'll, I'll just sit on the couch. Uh, but I, I have like certain routines, like start the day, you know, different coffee shops to go to if I need a break. But you know, just figure it out for yourself and then uh, plan offsites quarterly. Nice. Yeah, it, it helps to... For me, it helps to have a little bit of a routine um, and yeah, have those moments where it's like, like for lunch, I don't eat my lunch in my office. I eat my lunch in the sunroom. You know what I mean? Like it's just simple things like that that can help you mix things up and stay focused throughout the day. For sure. Awesome. Okay. So offsite. So I thankfully... It, now that our company's grown, we have an experience manager and we have another office uh, manager slash assistant, and they are much more gifted in the party planning, offsite planning, uh, you know, skills versus my temperament, if you will. Um, but I did have to do this when we were younger, you know, a smaller company, as like I did everything, and I used to just dread. Like 
I'll put it this way. I am a capable and I think good event planner, event manager, event planner. I just do not enjoy it. Like I am not the kind of person that's like, oh, we should put, we should decorate over here so that people feel this feeling when they walk in the room and all the stuff. I'm more like, all right, well, we got to have food. We got to have a roof over our head. We got to have good Wi-Fi and make sure everybody knows how to, where to park and let's go. You know, so I get get tasked with an offsite or had in the past assistance. I know, I know I talk to assistants all the time and, and they get thrown, Hey, and I see this in our community. You know, we have a, a online community, uh, leaderassistant.com slash community, uh, over 4,800 assistants, I think from all over the world. And probably every couple of weeks, somebody says, Hey, I just need to plan an offsite in New York, or I need to plan a leadership team, meeting in San Francisco. Does anybody have any venues or any recommendations on restaurants that we should go to and yada, yada, yada. Well, what, so, so if somebody is listening now and their executive, they just got out of a meeting with their executive and their executive said, Hey, Susie, Hey, Tim, Hey, you know, um, Roger, whatever. I need you to plan an offsite for 40 people in December, somewhere warm and, you know, have fun. <laughs> what, you know, where do they go? Where do they go from here? Guide my us, hope, guide us, right? Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my hope and what I'm spending like years and years developing and lots of time and money is uh, to build trust with, uh, executive assistants, people leaders, et cetera, so that when that conversation happens, you go to offsite.com, you make a free trial account, um, and then we are starting to build software. The first software product that we launched uh, publicly a few months back is essentially Airbnb for finding your offsite venue. Uh, and so we've partnered with a few hundred hotels around the world. Um, these are vetted and curated properties where we've not only secured like 20% off room blocks, meeting space, activities, things like that. Um, we've gotten better contract terms, like lower um, food and beverage minimums, uh, improve attrition rates, things like that. Um, but we also just know that they're going to be really good on the ground experiences because those hotels have had major companies host offsites there. We've had users and clients now go there uh, and give us reviews. Uh, and so we've really vetted these places for offsites, not for weddings, not for uh, parties, not for conferences. These are mm -hmm. offsite venues. Uh, and so that's where we started because uh, that is the biggest domino that needs to fall. And, and it impacts about two thirds of your budget uh, because it's going to impact your rooming. Uh, and that's, you know, maybe 40% is going to be the hotel nights, meeting space, things like that. And then travel is going to be dictated on where you decide to go for your venue. And so mm -hmm. that's a third of your spend as well. Um, it might even be 80, 90% if you hire locally versus like flying in photographers or videographers or flying in speakers and facilitators. Um, but that's, that's where we started. We uh, are adding speakers and facilitators to our marketplace now. Um, probably by the time this is out, we'll, we'll have that live in the marketplace. And then we're adding some event production staff, um, you could hire for like day of support, uh, or nice. for a few hours here and there. 
Uh, and then over time, we'll add those activity providers, things like that. In the future, probably like 2025, uh, we'll have offsite planning software. So things like a budget builder, an agenda builder, pre and post offsite feedback forms, uh, basically everything you would need to plan an offsite end to end. That's the vision. And yeah, we're yeah. hoping to be playing the Canva, you know, the, the category defining company of this space. Um, and so, you know, what we, we, that's where you can go. Uh, there's no upfront cost to make it account at offsite.com. Uh, and then we also do end to end planning as a service. So if you really want to take it from like 50 to 100 hours of work to like 10 hours of decision making, um, then we can do that. Uh, we charge a, a flat fee per person per offsite. Uh, it's typically two hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, can be lower than that if we're doing larger offsites or if we have a cadence of offsites. Like a lot of companies will do one all hands meeting a year, a sales kickoff, a president's club, quarterly executive team retreats, department level offsites. Um, yeah, and we've seen with like some of the larger companies like Dropbox, Airbnb. You know, if you're an employee at those companies, you're basically at an offsite at least once a quarter on mm-hmm. average. Um, which is amazing. Uh, and so I think the trend will continue that more companies will go remote, they'll plan offsites, and then they'll adopt similar cadences to Dropbox, to Airbnb, to Automatic, which owns WordPress, to GitLab. Um, and we're we're trying to empower that. And so we do offer end-to-end uh, offsite planning. Uh, we also are making a bunch of templates that we're putting out for free on our blog um, and just trying to add some thought leadership to the space too, because, you know, three years ago, only a select few knew how to do this because they've been doing right. it for a decade. And even those companies are still figuring it out. Like 15.5 didn't have any playbook really for running offsites even a decade in. And like Automatics doesn't really, they have a small playbook and same with GitLab, but they don't have uh, a real uh, rinse and repeat process for this. Uh, and I think there's an opportunity to offer that and, and do it in a way that like software can empower by having algorithms that will serve up the perfect agenda for you based on your business objectives and can tell you exactly where to go based on where your team's located and the costs associated with traveling there. There's like whole ecosystem of stuff to build. Uh, but we started with, with venues because that impacts everything else. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. So what's, what's maybe a, um, you know, of course you've got the logistics, you get, like you said, you got the venue, you got the city, you've, you've got the the travel, you've got the food and all that kind of stuff. But what's maybe that extra like experience um, flair is the only word I can think of that. What's, what's a few examples of that? Cause you know, oftentimes the executives come to us as assistants and they're like, Hey, we want to do this event here, but we really want people to have fun. We really want people to have some unique experience that they've never had that they talk about for the rest of the year. So what are the, what are a couple of examples of that extra touch that your team has done or that you've seen done at offsites? Yeah. I mean, I'm personally not a flair guy. Like (laughs) I'm, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy, like um, not flashy, Yes, we've had clients get yachts and do crazy parties and like race supercars and, you know, travel around the world, like almost 20 countries. Um, What I think is most valuable and what I am most passionate about is really thinking through at the very beginning, like what are your business objectives for this offsite Uh, and who's coming? You know, if it's the entire company, like, why are you doing this? Uh, 
And answers that may arise are like increased employee engagement, uh, increased cross-department collaboration, build trust and intimacy. So there's like better communication in Slack. Uh, it might be to celebrate, might be to do strategic planning. But having that conversation with your CEO or with your team leader at the very beginning, uh, I think is the part that gets overlooked the most and is also the most important because why you're having the offsite and what ROI you're looking for um, will make it easier to justify with your CFO or, or with your boss. It'll be easier to uh, get the right venue that'll lead to that kind of experience happening. Uh, it'll lead to uh, very strong intentions around the agenda uh, and how you're starting each day, ending each day, how you're leaving you know, flex time uh, in order to allow certain sessions to run over, like giving people breaks to like call family or like have spontaneous connections happen. Um, and I would get all those like business sessions in first, even if they're minimal, like a presence club is like very celebratory. There's very little work, but like whatever you want to communicate to your top performing salespeople, like make sure you program that first and then figure out how you're going to have fun. Um, and you can even be strategic about that. Like you, one people, one thing people don't think about is employer marketing. Um, so do you want to get a photographer or videographer there to capture certain elements of the experience and use that on social media, use it in your uh, marketing? Um, do you want to ask people before and after offsites for an employer net promoter score? So you can hopefully see that go up uh, and then ask them at the peak, which is like right after the offsite to leave reviews on Glassdoor and you know, other things like that. Like that'll make your life easier in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're budget constrained, you know, you could think about the intention behind an activity uh, and then find ways to accomplish that for much less money. Um, so something like volunteering um, could be a unique shared experience that can accomplish the objective of bringing people together um, and maybe reflecting your company values. And it could be free or you know small donation to a certain charity relative to getting everyone on a boat and getting them drunk. And like you might have right. HR issues that, and it might not accomplish your goals. It might lead to some fights. You know, I don't, I don't right, know. Like, right. so, just being really clear about what you're trying to accomplish um, so that you can build the right agenda, like um, set the right framework for it, get approvals faster. Everyone's on the same page. Like that'll just make the rest of the offsite planning process much smoother. Hmm. So what's the, if I'm in a, if I'm at a company and I'm like, we really need, we're a remote company. We haven't done an offsite in a couple of years. We really need to get everyone together, but you know, you got certain people, uh, they're like, eh, it's too expensive or eh, we don't really need to do that. What's maybe, yeah, what's, how do you persuade, uh, you know, people to do it? What's the business case that you would present to say, hey, this offsite will benefit? Because it's one, it's one thing to say, oh, we, yeah, we need to do something. And you mentioned, you know, oh, you got to have your goal. What's your goal for this? Is it a sales one? Is it for the whole company? Why is it for the whole company? But back to the beginning of like, hey, why should we do an offsite? How do you persuade and, and present a business case of like, we should do an offsite for our team? Yeah, I think there's a, a top-down approach. And I think there's a bottom-up approach. Top-down uh, are probably things like looking at how much it costs to uh, recruit and engage an awesome employee and the costs of letting them walk out the door. Uh, so disengagement and um, having to replace people. Uh, and that's like, uh, the stat used to be like $25,000 on average per um, person you have to replace. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's probably increased with inflation, but um, yeah, you think about 
the costs associated with not doing an offsite. And then you think about doing an offsite where you're giving people like six months of lead up time to think about that amazing experience. And then you're doing the necessary pre-work to determine what the best uh, business objectives are going to be and, and how to run the certain sessions. And you get people super engaged. Um, I mean, we've had countless CEOs, uh, you know, earmark lots of money for all hands meetings, go into it initially skeptical. And then at the offsite, they're sort of saying this is one of the best investments we've made in the entire year um, because they're able to see everyone uh, really light up about the company, meet some of their colleagues they've never met in person before. And that does translate to every single day as you're emailing people, as you're on Slack, uh, if you're going through difficult challenges at the company, you know you have people to reach out to and ways to solve the problem. Um, so there's lots of like top-down approaches um, to think about, namely around employee engagement, retention, alignment, um, and like other objectives related to that. Um, bottom-up approach would be sort of asking your team uh, or asking everyone at the company, like, hey, we're considering an offsite, like what would make it valuable to you? Uh, and sort of hearing what, what they say. Uh, and they might tell you that they want to get training on a new product. They may want to... Uh, get some face time with a certain department that they don't typically talk to. Uh, they may want to learn more about the company strategy. And like, I'm sure, uh, I mean, if, if it happens at a 10 to 15 person company where, you know, not everyone's fully aligned on long-term strategy, I'm sure it happens at a company like capacity, you know, uh, as, as hard as you guys try to keep everyone aligned. Um, it's really important for everyone to know like what direction you're rowing in and what the, what the end game is here. And so, yeah. Um, that's true for a team, you know, company, but uh, it's going to be unique for every team and, and every organization. So just asking them uh, in a pre-offsite feedback form, uh, or even before you decided to do an offsite, like, sort of like ask them in a form, like, hey, we're considering this, like, what would make it valuable for you? Um, and respecting your team's time, because that's like three, four or five days out of office, traveling away from family. Um, yeah, if you take that feedback to heart and sort of look for trends, like you might end up with a great uh, set of objectives to then turn into programming. Hmm. Love it. That's awesome, Jared. Well, what I would love to do is just have you, well, first quick question, you know, uh, assistants all over the world are listening. Um, you know, the majority are in the US, but a lot are in the UK and elsewhere. Um, where do you service? Like, where, like, are you primarily in the States now? Like if somebody in London wants to call for help, like how, who, who can you help? Everyone. Uh, I mean, we, we work mostly with remote first or hybrid companies, although we do have some office first clients. Um, 70% of our business is North America, but uh, you know, we've, we've sent people to almost 20 different countries now. Um, yeah. So, I mean, whether, whether you go to offstate.com, check out the marketplace, like you see the venues we currently have, there is a little, feature to like ask for more options. Like if you can't find what you're looking for um, and then service wise, like we'll basically go anywhere. Um, nice. It's the right, right fit. But okay. yeah, most, most like high growth startups, high growth companies are a good fit for us. Um, especially if they're remote or hybrid, especially if it's a EA or, you know, <laughs> if, if you're listening, you're probably one of our ideal clients. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, no, that yeah, makes I mean, sense. Other other companies have uh, limited where they've gone um, because of margins, for example. And like, mm -hmm. I do think having strong margins is important uh, as a business owner. But I'm also trying to build a like the most customer friendly business 
in the industry and like the category defining company. And so with that, we've like low, we've raised our minimum contracts the slowest out of competitors to accommodate smaller teams. We've serviced the widest range of places possible versus just limiting ourselves to certain locations. Uh, and I've really gone out of our way to try and make this accessible to as many um, organizations as possible, including nonprofits and communities and, and things like that. Nice. Awesome. Well, where's the best place for someone listening who's like, all right, I need help with my offsite. What, what's the best place for them to reach out and, and learn more and get in touch with you all? Yeah, offsite.com, make an account. Um, if you use the link in the show notes, uh, I think Jeremy's putting a little uh, tracking link on that. Um, we'll make sure you get 10% off your first contract with us. If you use that, or you can just tell us Jeremy sent you or leader assistant sent you a uh, pretty small team here. Uh, so as long as you tell us, we're happy to give you a discount. Um, and yeah, you know, happy to help you however you want to be helped. Great. Well, I'll definitely put those links in the show notes, uh, leaderassistant.com slash two, four, six leaderassistant.com slash two, four, six. Jared, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, definitely a fascinating journey in your uh, young career and uh, love to uh, stay in touch and um, best of luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Please review on Apple Podcasts. GoBullows.com